Hi, this is John Ratzenberger. That's right, the same John Ratzenberger that played the part of the very handsome mailman on the TV show Cheers. Now, it's a little-known fact that, in my heart, I'm just a country boy. Welcome to the NutriBlends Animal Ag Podcast, where we tell the truth about American agriculture. On this podcast, false rumors are run out of town. Misleading marketing gets called out for what it is, and you better have good science to back up your claims or you're getting a boot. You hear me? I'm John Ratzenberger, coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee. Swine producers who have switched to an antibiotic-free production system continue to look for new alternatives to fight swine diseases. Today, we'll discuss new research on utilizing nutritional products to help fight strep suis. Dr. Karen Robinson leads the development and execution of Diamond V's swine business strategy in North America. Raised on a beef cattle and tobacco farm in southwest Virginia, Dr. Robinson earned her B.S. in biology from Virginia Tech and her D.V.M. from the Virginia-Maryland Regional College of Veterinary Medicine. After completing her studies, she served three years in residency at Michigan State University, conducting research on oxidative stress in pigs. Dr. Robinson then worked nine years in veterinary practice, becoming co-owner of Walcott Veterinary Clinic slash Indiana Animal Health in Walcott, Indiana. She provided herd health veterinarian services to pork producers in a six-state area, as well as industry expertise to animal health and genetics providers. Welcome aboard, doctor. Thank you. So when you were covered six states, were you driving? Mostly, yes. Yeah, what kind of car? My favorite one was a Honda Ridgeline. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I loved it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put. You know, think of that, and it was looking for a comfortable car, but it was. Oh yeah, and it was easy to hide your golf clubs in the trunk. Oh, very nice. Yeah. I, I live on a golf course. Nice down in uh, Southern California. Some some of the times. What, now, um, are you still in Indiana? Uh, yes, I live near West Lafayette, Indiana. And you belong to a country club there? No, I don't. I have too many kids in college to afford to play golf now. Yeah, but I go to the country club and say, listen, I'm a doctor. <laughs> You're going to want to have me around. Okay. So why is strep suis? Is, am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, strep suis. Suis. What does it mean in Latin? A uh, pig. What is it? You say pig. Strep pig. What? They should say strep pig. Yeah. Yeah, it would make more sense. Oh, they want to get fancy. Why is strep suis particularly difficult to control without antibiotics? Uh, are there vaccines and are they effective? Well, strep suis, John, is a bacteria that causes a lot of different diseases in the pig. It can affect many different systems. Um, it can cause meningitis or encephalitis, so cause neurological symptoms. It can infect the heart valve, 
and cause the heart valve to malfunction, endocarditis that's called, and uh, create problems with circulation. It can infect joints, cause pneumonia. Um, it can even cause vaginitis in females. And so um, the hard thing about strepsuis is that even though it's disease-causing, it's actually part of the normal microflora of the pig. So all pigs have it on board, and it's part of what is supposed to be there. Um, because it's part of the normal microflora, it's not a disease that we can just eradicate. Um, it's always going to be there. There's always going to be a threat mm -hmm. of infection from it. And vaccines are really tough with this one because there are 35 different serotypes of strepsuis. And if you're infected with one serotype as a pig and you develop immunity, you still are susceptible to other serotypes. So there's not good cross-protection across all 35 of these serotypes in the field. So all 35 are on board every pig? Uh, not necessarily, but Strepsuis as a species is on there, and then more than one serotype can exist in the pig at any one time. Mm. So it can have more than one type of Strepsuis on board. So vaccine for that is really difficult to make commercially. You can pick the most common disease-causing serotypes and make a vaccine for it. But again, if a pig is infected with something different, then that vaccine is not going to help. And so we really don't have effective commercial vaccines for this. What veterinarians do for their customers and for the systems they work in is they identify the strip that's causing disease in that particular group of pigs, and they have a vaccine special made, an autogenous vaccine or a farm-specific vaccine against that serotype, and then they constantly monitor the population. They're constantly taking samples and seeing if a new serotype has emerged as a problem, and if it has, then they go back and they add that to the farm-specific vaccine. It's incredible. And now there's cultures that won't eat pork. Is this the reason? <laughs> I don't they, know. I just feel so sad for them. <laughs> yeah, we, we roast a pig every 4th of July. I love it. So what are some of the current strategies that are being used to well, address it in the absence of uh, antibiotics? Well, as you can imagine, because it's part of the normal flora, um, it's very difficult, actually, to control this one without antibiotics. Antibiotics are effective in treating infection with strep if it's caught early enough, and they're very effective at preventing outbreaks. So because there's a push for antibiotic-free production, uh, this is one of the harder things to control in those systems that choose to not use antibiotics in their growing pigs. The, um, the thing I want to point out, though, is antibiotic-free pork production means that the pig never gets an injection of antibiotics or it never gets antibiotics in the feed during its lifetime. But our pork here in the United States, when you go to the grocery store and buy pork or you go to mm -hmm. the butcher to buy your pig for the 4th of July, that meat does not have antibiotics in it. We have a great system to keep antibiotics out of meat. If we treat a group of pigs, there's a withdrawal time that needs to be met to ensure that the antibiotic is cleared from the system. Oh, that's worked through the system. Right. Yeah. And then the USDA obviously has inspectors in all of our meat processing facilities, and we have tests. 
and we do statistically significant number of tests to ensure that the pork you eat does not have antibiotics. So what we're talking about is not does pork have antibiotics, because none of it does in this country. We have the safest food supply in the world. Kidding. So nobody has to worry about the antibiotics in pork. They really don't, or other meat. Um, we have the safest meat supply in the world. I buy the pig uh, every year from a local farmer. Mm-hmm. So I have no idea what he's doing with pigs. Well, hopefully if he's keeping good records and keeping track, he I'm knows sure that. Not. <laughs> well, it's once a year. This, this guy is not. So, how can technologies that strengthen the immunity impact a, a, a disease like strep suisse? Well, as you can imagine, because it's already there, it just needs some sort of breakdown in the system of protection within the animal to cause the disease, because it can be there for the animal's whole life and never cause a disease. So anytime you have a break, you know, a break of a disease, it's a balance between immunity and then the challenge. And so anything that we can do to both reduce the challenge and increase immunity is going to tip the scales in the balance of the pig um, and prevent, hopefully prevent disease. And so there's mm. many, many, many things that we can do to do that besides nutrition, when these antibiotic-free systems are set up, they have to be very diligent about choosing the right breeding stock, making sure that breeding stock um, is you know, free of the big diseases that we can detect coming in, and then vaccinating. Vaccinating against lots of different viruses as well. Antibiotics only treat bacteria, but viruses are important in the pig because if they catch they catch certain viruses, those predispose the pig to kind of break down a little bit immunologically. That can give strep suis and other bacteria an opportunity to take over. So we call that a secondary infection. So we have to control all the viruses. We have to start with a clean population. Then you have to make sure that the biosecurity is good. And so that means you reduce or mitigate the risk of introducing um, a disease to the farm by maybe bringing it in with a diseased animal, accidentally tracking it in on your shoes, bringing it in on a truck or some equipment. And then geographically, the antibiotic-free systems do better if they're isolated because some swine diseases are actually just transmitted on the breeze. That's right. The customs at the airport, they ask you if you visited a farm on your trip. Yes, they want to see your boots. And it's because you can actually track a disease. If you have organic material on your boots, whether that's mud or manure or whatever, Mm -hmm. you can bring that in. And and it can be viable and actually transmit disease to our domestic livestock here in the U.S. So that's why they ask and check. It is. But there's also things we can do to strengthen immunity, as you asked. And, you know, at Diamond V, we've been really focused on this because the barrier – Um, that the animal has against entry of that bacteria is one cell thick. And particularly the gut, which is our largest barrier, um, has, uh, you know, certain, it's it's a cell thick, but it also has uh, tight junctions that keep things from, uh, you know, keep things from entering into uh, the, the system, into the blood system. And so, Anything we can do to improve the integrity of the gut and our other epithelial barriers mm-hmm. is really important. Well, Dr. Karen, why are operations involved in ABF production at greatest risk? 
Do you mind me calling you Dr. Karen? I don't. Actually, most of my clients call me that in practice, so that works really well for me. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so um, the pigs the pigs are at greater risk because they never see an antibiotic. And so while the concept of removing all the antibiotics from the pig's life, basically, is an it's a noble concept, and it sounds really good on the surface. But let's think about it a little bit deeper. When the pigs don't have any antibiotics on board from a preventive standpoint, then the populations of pathogens like Strepsuis never really see any type of control um, unless there's a vaccine specifically for the farm. What, what worries me more than not being able to prevent strep is not being able to treat the pigs when they get sick. As a veterinarian, this is a well-being issue for me because it's my job as a steward of this resource to take care of that resource. And so if animals get sick and they don't feel well, they need to be treated or the well-being and their life is impacted greatly by that. And so many of the systems in this country that produce antibiotic-free pigs actually are able to do that only because they have an excess of antibiotic-free populations of pigs. And when one population gets sick, they treat it with antibiotics and they remove it from the flow um, into that market. (laughs) And so we've maintained our ability to treat pigs and treat them well if they need it and still meet the needs of the antibiotic-free demand for pork um, by basically producing in excess of the need and removing populations as they need to be treated. And there's a really huge expense to that. It's more expensive to uh, create pork that comes from pigs that have never had an antibiotic at all. And so that's that's an expense on the producer. Um, there are systems in our country that are very good at that. And they have um, lots of different tools that they use to select what farms are going to be antibiotic-free and to maintain the health of those farms so that they can make sure that there's enough to meet the consumer demand for that type of pork. What kind of bacon do you eat? What brand? Um, I like Daly's Bacon and Smithfield Bacon. Oh, so that's going to be a local. Because where I live, they don't have those. That's too bad. Yeah. Because I figure you probably have the best bacon in the world. We'd like to do experiments in our kitchen on which bacon wraps the best around a jalapeno. And we've settled yeah. on those, too. Have you ever wrapped bacon around a hot dog? No. If you slit the hot dog right down the middle, mm-hmm. put some cheese, cheese in there, wrap the bacon around, hold both ends with toothpicks, mm-hmm. put it under the broiler, you've got a celebration right there. That sounds really good. Really I wrap is. bacon around my meatloaf. Oh, right, yeah, sure, mm-hmm. I've done that, yeah. yeah. Is it thick bacon you, you eat? Yes. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> All right, what, opp- what opportunities through nutrition are there to, to address this concern? You know, historically, John, nutrition was just viewed as what basic ingredients do we need to put in the diet to meet the animal's need for growth. So there's a certain requirement for protein, for energy, for vitamins and minerals. And we try to fine-tune that. And there's, you know, nutrition is a very complicated science. I'm not a nutritionist. And they do a good job of knowing exactly what that pig needs for each stage of its life. 
But now there's a bigger, growing, uh, huge field in which we understand more about how things in the diet, in the feed, impact health beyond just the basic needs for nutrients to grow. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing that the microbiome, all that collection of microorganisms in the gut, that changes in that microbiome can actually set a pig up to be more or less susceptible to certain diseases. And so our understanding of how, you know, diet impacts health is growing very rapidly. It's a it's an exciting field of study right now. And most uh, uh, medical schools, they don't have classes on nutrition, do they? I don't know currently, but I know that when I went to school many, many years ago, most veterinarians were better trained in nutrition than physicians. Yeah, that's what meant, meant uh, physicians, yeah. Yes. I think that this topic really um, highlights the concept that pork production and any animal protein production, we need to be more efficient. We need to produce more because we have a growing population. And it's complicated and it's difficult. It's not an easy thing to do to keep these animals healthy. And so... Blanket recommendations about maybe certain types of housing or let's take out all the antibiotics from all of our protein production need to be made with caution because, again, I feel that as a veterinarian, I'm a steward of the resource of those pigs, and it's my job to make sure that um, their life is lived with purpose because they're going to be healthy protein Mm -hmm. uh, for someone someday, but that their life is um, spent in a state of well-being. And so um, just some caution as people get farther and farther away from the farm that uh, we need to, to understand the complexities before we make big changes. Yeah, I wish, wish I could do a film on uh, the farmer and the, and the work that you folks do because traditionally everything that comes out of Hollywood makes farmers look stupid. You know, they're they're looked down on. Like if you're a farmer, somehow you're, you know, you're less intelligent than the rest of them. And it was the same thing with manufacturing. Anybody who knows how to use tools, like a welder or carpenter, they're always made fun of in popular culture. I think that's got to change. It uh, really annoys me. Well, it's great that you're in a place to change it. Well, yeah, I'm in a place, but to get somebody to listen. Because most of the people that are in charge don't know a, a screwdriver from a, a monkey wrench. And so to them, it's like, why is this important? And what do you mean? Right. I go to the supermarket, get my food. But they've never picked up a cup of soil and, and smelled it. You know, to, you know you, you, it's, it's uh, anyway, it's an ongoing uh, battle. But uh, I'm still punching away. So... Producers are stepping up biosecurity in the face of multiple disease threats. Is this trend affecting strep suis frequency or distribution? Well, John, I think that really highlights the difficulty with controlling strep suis because there are diseases that if, if we can put up the right barriers around the farm, we can keep them out. Or around the country, for that right. matter, we can keep them out. But strep is part of the pig. It's part of the microflora of the pig, and so it's something that we're um, always going to have to deal with, and that's what makes it particularly challenging. Strep suis continues to plague today's swine farms. A complete program that includes nutrition, vaccines, and strategic treatments may finally give swine producers the edge they need 
to get this costly disease under wraps. More swine operations are looking at ABF options, so today's information is timely. I want to thank Dr. Karen Robertson from Diamond V and encourage our listeners to tune in next week to see what's on tap in animal agriculture.